you're listening to a message from Kaleo Phoenix, a church plant in downtown Phoenix that creates space for people to practice the ways of Jesus together. For those of you who don't know me, I am Aaron's uh, husband, Kendall, but I also like to be referred to as Deacon here. As Edder, my grandpa was a deacon, Deacon Dooley, and so it's always been my goal to be a deacon, so that can be uh, my better reference here. Um, how's everyone doing? <laughs> I'm all right, Brad. I'm all right. It's been a hard week. Um, I think it was last Sunday. I recall last Sunday. I was laying down on my couch, um, listening into, into the service on Zoom, listening to Chris share in our time of worship. And it was when I read on my phone the news of um, the SBC, the Southern Baptist Convention, had hidden sexual abuse allegations since 2000. I don't, do you, do you remember the, the number? The, the, it was like over 300, like 1,000 from 2000 to now have hidden sexual abuse allegations. I remember being nauseous and feeling sick reading that. And then I, I, I witnessed then later on this week the capitalization and gentrification of Juneteenth, a holiday celebrating the freedom of, of my ancestors um, through ice cream being sold at Walmart. And after hearing that, reading that I, like, I have a headache seeing that. A pastor in, in, in the country, Pastor John Lowe, uh, he had publicly confessed last Sunday to adultery. And then an audience member reveals it was more than just adultery. He had groomed her as a teenager and had sex with her. That too makes me feel nauseous and again uneasy. And then killings in, in Texas send chills down my spine and make my body feel heavy. This week was also the, the second year anniversary of George Floyd's death, which brings pain to my neck and a heaviness in my shoulders. All these events attempt to make us less human and disconnected with one another. It's important to notice our emotions when we come into a space. Our emotions remind us that we are humans with feelings. I know for me it's sometimes hard to, to find the right emotion to describe what I'm feeling or what, what's happening. And so the, this mood meter, if you throw that up on the screen for me back there, it's helpful for me at times. I know how well you guys can see it and kind of going, where am I at right now? And so, right, there's four different colors here. There's four different um, corners. We see red, which refers to kind of like the enraged, angry, nervous, restless, annoyed, peeved feeling. Yellow, which is uh, the pleasant, joyful, you're proud, blissful, hyper feeling. Blue is the disgusted, glum, you're kind of drained, tired, apathetic. And then green is uh, blessed, humble, Chill, calm. So we'll take a little survey here looking at this. How many of us are in the red right now? Raise your hand if you say you're in the red right now. 
Go ahead and put your hands down. What about yellow? Who would say yellow? What about blue? Go ahead and put your hand down. How about green? Thank you. Put your hand down. Something happens to us when we hear about violent acts that happen in our society. We experience what Aaron said, a collective trauma. And in dealing with trauma, it is important to pay attention to your body. I want everyone to, to plant your feet down on the floor, now kind of relax your body, sink it into your chair, and close your eyes, taking a deep breath in through your nose, out the mouth. What do you feel? What are you thinking about right now? Where's your mind going? What sensations are happening in your body? How present do you feel in this moment? Accept those feelings and emotions as normal as you remind yourself that you are human. How I'm feeling right now, kind of talking to you guys, is I feel a little bit green on the charts. I'm feeling blessed and grateful um, standing here with you all today after, after my surgery that I had, after not being able to, to move like I want and, and being dependent on someone else for so long to, to get me up. I'm grateful for being able to move around like this a little bit more. And I want to thank you guys for your prayers and thoughts for me um, as I've been healing from my surgery. I've missed you guys and it. Recovery has been well and smooth. Um, I can probably do the dishes now. Um, and so uh, perhaps God has been hearing your prayers um, in your heart, so thank you all. Um, I had a lot of tension um, this, this week and, and pressure to feel the need to, to cover everything right, in my message and to change it, to hit on more on, on what's going on, but I want to be faithful to what I believe God put in me to share and allow God to speak to you during this time. So I ask that you would participate with me right, during this message, during this time, through this sermon, by being attentive to what God is bringing to your heart and to your head as I share, as I talk. And so today's passage is John 17, 20 through 26 that we'll share and we'll talk about. It's a passage well known as a call to unity and oneness, so it should be a light and easy discussion today. Jesus just finished washing his disciples' feet, as Aaron preached a couple weeks ago, and then after, he gave his disciples one last lesson to hopefully form them to become a community of believers who reflect God's kingdom on earth. Again, all of this is in the moment happening at the Last Supper. We always find Jesus at tables eating with folk, as Chris mentioned last weekend. And in this dinner, he concludes his time with his disciples with a prayer. Our passage today is his prayer before he begins his passion, before he's betrayed, denied, crucified, and then resurrected. And so there are three parts to his prayer, 
and we are going to read the last section. That's what we're going to read right now. In the first part of the prayer, Jesus is praying for himself as he receives his glory heading towards crucifixion and resurrection. The second part, Jesus prays for his disciples that they would stand out in the world that is anti-God. And this last section we're going to read today is Jesus' prayer for believers. It's his prayer for all of us. So this is Jesus' last words with his disciples, which is fitting because it's the last Easter Sunday. This Sunday, as we follow the church calendar here at Kaleo, it's the last Easter Sunday celebrating Easter Tide. And so it's Jesus' last words to us in this calendar season as well. Let's read it. John 17, 20 through 26, it says, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love me as much as you, that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want all these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. O righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. And these disciples know you sent me. I have received you to them, and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them, and I will be in them. I want to focus today for a second on what may be in us. Let's pray. Um, Father, God, we thank you. For, for praying for us. Um, what a God who, who would pray for, for his people and not just desire for us just to, to worship you and just to glory you, but that you would pray for us. God, how humbling. Um, we thank you for that. God, I pray that you comfort us today, um, that you, you would be with us um, in this moment, God, and that you would perhaps give us something that we need um, to go forward and to move on in this moment. God, may the words that I say fall flat on the floor, God, but the words that you would like to say would hit the mind and hearts of everyone here. Amen. So disclaimer, real quick, as we talk about oneness and unity, I will not be focusing on the current division. It's kind of among believers right now. That's a different message. I do want to name that, that now is a time when many believers may feel like they are not on the same page. Right, we have friends, some of us, who we want to encourage them to, for them to see that Jesus is and always has been good news to the poor and the margins, and that has been his central message. Some of us even may have family members who, who don't see eye to eye on things, but still claim to follow the same Jesus. And some of us have left churches that have held tight to idols that actually harm us. It feels like we are more divided than ever before on this. I want to name that reality for many today, and hopefully the words I share today can be applied to that division, but I actually want to focus on what I believe Jesus deems as truly divisive. I'll be talking about systems of power that lead to inequity and oppression that do not allow for unity. 
A distorted worldview and a reading of scripture born from racist and misogynist views can lead us to believe in a father who only loves some of his children. Children who embody whiteness and rugged masculinity, making everyone else who does not fit that category seem only semi-human. This is the divisive issue that we should be tackling as the family of God. I believe that Jesus' prayer here is for what's called beloved community, we talk about here. His prayer being the same dream that Martin Luther King Jr. had for unity despite differences. Jesus' prayer for oneness is for a community of multi-ethnic people that's then proclaimed in Revelation 7-9, which is one of my favorite verses. It says in Revelation 7-9, it says, After this I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing in front of the throne before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands, and they were shouting with a great roar, Salvation comes from our God, who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. This is the image of God that Jesus is praying for. It is the image of the kingdom of God given to us and what Jesus' prayer is that we would display here on earth. What is defined as beauty here is the differences from the, the different tribes, the languages, the differences that we see but them still being brothers and sisters deciding to unite to Jesus, him being the vine and us the branches. Not a focus on sameness, but on differences. I had a painting um, that displays this oneness, yet difference of, of God's kingdom that I, I thought about showing you guys, but I changed my mind because uh, I knew the power would require some more explaining. It's kind of an interesting picture. You guys can talk to me if you want to see it later, though. The founder of Neighborhood Ministries, where I work at, um, values artists. She's a big fan of artists, and we do art kind of through everything we do. And she claims that artists are the prophets of today. She says that artists are the prophets of today. They are people who can see what is really going on in the world and express it in their art. And I often go to, to music myself to heal and to contemplate on the world that we live in. Perhaps for us today, we can learn something if we listen to our black and brown hip-hop artists. Has anyone listened to the new Kendrick Lamar album? Here, any Kendrick fans here? Yeah, Let's see, I just wanted to talk about artists just to, just to throw Kendrick in there. Um, in his new album titled Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers, which is so good, Kendrick confronts mental and emotional health and long and hard process of doing the inner work on yourself to be healthy for yourself and for those around you. In his song that's titled Father Time, Kendrick sorts out all these, all these things through the song on how hard his father was on him growing up and the lack of space he had to share his emotions with his father, leading him to repress his emotions. He raps about how his daddy issues led to a foolish pride that became what he saw as masculinity. The song is like a confession he tells to his therapist, see how lessons from his father communicated to him that he is not allowed to be tired, not allowed to feel pain, and that your ego is what never allows you to reconcile with someone. Which is why he then says, like, why he doesn't make sense how Drake and Kanye can become friends again, how they can come together. And so he, he admits to the negative and unhelpful beliefs he has picked up from his father, but he also admits that this is a generational problem. 
since his father grew up in an environment that led him to be that way and then to raise him that way. It's almost like this way of being that his father instilled is in him and has been in his family for a long time. Is this the type of uh, kind of relationship we imagine Jesus to have with the father? Jesus and the father. If Kendrick's relationship with, with his father if uh, Kendrick's relationship with his father, if that resonates with you, that's tough, hard love, if it resonates with your view of God, then perhaps we have something in us that doesn't reflect the father Jesus is talking about. America and our churches, too, have something in us given by our fathers. Oppressed and harmed whites traveling overseas to unjustly colonize a new area through violence to achieve their dreams. The entitled belief by white Puritan man to physically bring God's kingdom down to earth by any means necessary in use of violence. The hypocrisy of our country's founding fathers who have enslaved black Africans, my ancestors, and simultaneously professed Christ the John Wayne man who have merged Christianity with a rugged masculinity that values God and guns. Our fathers have given us this practice of patriarchy and racism that remains in our country and in a lot of our churches today. The violent and the unjust acts that we witness in our world are the, are the symptoms of this illness that likes to hide behind American exceptionalism. However, this history v- reveals, like Kendrick's song, that this is a generational problem and that our, our past fathers were formed by an environment and space that caused them to harm others. And so for me, I know my heart and sentiment always, just like Memorial Day is a day we remember those who have died, and that's your your reminder that it's Memorial Day tomorrow, too, if you have the day off. There you go, there's your reminder. Just like Memorial Day, I sometimes long for a day of lament, at least for our churches, right? At least for our churches to practice a day of lament when we remember the sins of our land and the harm that has been caused to marginalized people. My brothers and sisters, we would be unwise to think that we do not have any of these harmful practices in us still. Especially if we refuse to acknowledge them. It is often easier to recognize the the harmful practices in others, but not ourselves. So the question is, when and how will we heal? community of believers in our country must do their inner work as a community to identify what is in them. Communities must identify the harmful practices in them and and communities must learn how to heal from the harm that was done to them. When we experience pain and trauma and feel grief, it lives in us, in our bodies. And a good practice for this is, is mindfulness, right, which we did at the beginning. It's, it's, it's like um, becoming more aware of, of yourself and your body by recognizing what's going on in you emotionally and physically. Along with this is examining what happens in the space between yourself and someone else. 
that we are present in this space together and with people together. It's always a good reminder that from the moment of birth, we are dependent on others for our distress. And so what would it look like to depend on others who are different from us to assist with our own healing? The harmful beliefs that we have are, are carried in us as well. Many churches have taught under the patriarchal social context that militant and toxic masculinity morals are seen as positive and superior to any feminine traits. This is still true in, in many people's practices. We deem traits such as being strong, powerful, controlling, protector, competitive, aggressive, and independent as superior to being dependent, emotional, vulnerable, nurturing, encouraging. And in our social context, this has caused us to leave out discussing God's femininity that's found in Jesus. To get God in us, as he is in Jesus, we must be willing to put down our unhelpful masculine view of who God is and accept what we may see in our culture as feminine traits. Traits such as love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faith, goodness. That sound familiar to anybody? Sadly, I confess in this moment of vulnerability that I too have picked up bad habits from our skewed patriarchal lens. Now, what we believe about God is often what we attempt to become. That's why this is important. I have grown to have beliefs that you, you cannot show that you're tired, that emotion should not play a part in a decision, that you can't show you are weak, tired, and confused. I have tried to play both sides on issues and attempt to show myself as logical and fair, and it's caused me to harm others, and I apologize. I apologize to, to my wife if there's ever been a space I brought you in that made you feel unsafe, my own neglect, and I, I apologize if I have not allowed you to dream and, and lead big enough. I apologize if I have not advocated enough for you in, in spaces where your voices may be unheard. I apologize to, to the women in the room who have felt less than and unheard in their experiences with churches and those following Jesus. I apologize to men who have been attacked for embodying what is deemed as feminine characteristics. I remember um, when leading youth at a camp that I went to, I, I, I represented kind of the, the man in the room and apologized to the females on how They've been treated and viewed by man at times. And, and that, simple, that simple thing I said, that the fact that I validated their hurt and feelings led them to tears. I'd like us to take time now acknowledging the harm you've caused others and taking time to acknowledge the harm that's been done to you. And so again, I'd like you to set your feet on the ground position, taking a deep breath in your nose, in your mouth, to contemplate on the harm that's been done to you, perhaps by 
church, a pastor, a parent, a friend, the harm that's been done to you. And to now contemplate the harm that you may have caused. What ways have you maybe been complicit to to systems or you've had past beliefs that have harmed someone? Take another breath in and out. Coming back to this moment. This is a reading from Frederick. His new book titled uh, Patriarchy Blues. He says this in his, in his book. And I'm going to read a, a little part of it. He says, to all of those in the process of evolving into someone freer. For a long time I thought joy was something I didn't deserve because my cup always seemed to runneth over with pain. So much so that it spilled out into a river of harm I have inflicted on others. But I met joy for the first time a few years ago. As I stood on the edge of that river ready to jump in and be swept away, as I readied myself to jump, suddenly the sun's warmth seemed to drape over and calm me, like a parent's embrace and kiss on the forehead to calm a child. Then the wind whispered in my ears as it pushed me away from that river, you are more than the trauma you have endured, and you can be more than the trauma you have caused. I began to cry as I had never cried before, and on that river I was reborn with the understanding that healing and accountability give us the opportunity to no longer be bound to our past selves. I am not my past self. That day, I I believe I was given an assignment not to simply write a book, but rather create a space, somewhere we can leave the pieces of ourselves that don't deserve joy, somewhere we can be accountable for who we have been within the oppressive systems that have gaslighted us into being less than who we truly are. Somewhere we can grow and help others feel safe. The words on these pages sing the song of goodbye to the man I have been and welcome with open arms the man that I am becoming. But there is room for, for you here as well. There is room for all of us. My love grows daily for the man that I am trying to be, but the journey to become is difficult and I know it will take the rest of my life, as well with the the work of unpacking how patriarchy, white supremacy, and capitalism have consorted to destroy all we hold dear. This book is not a map for the journey, but rather a perspective on which direction to go and someone to walk with along the way. I hope that my experiences, my pain, my growth serve as reminders that we are not bound to the gravity of pain. We are not bound to misogyny, homophobia, transphobia, 
are any manifestations of what has kept us from the ultimate joy of freedom. May in this space we find strength, understanding, prayers, and joy. May in this space we find the courage to heal and grow. May in this space we find the warmth of the sun and the honesty of the wind. Fetrick, Patriarchy Blues. But when we do the inner work on ourselves, we can face ourselves and others and God. Peter Scazzaro states that awareness of yourself and your relationship with God are intricately related. Scazzaro records a St. Augustine quote in his book titled Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, stating, how can you draw close to God when you are far from your own self? Ooh, it's like a gut punch. Let's say that again. He says, how can you draw close to God when you are far from your own self? He also prayed, grant, Lord, that I may know myself, that I may know thee. Being self-aware and understanding the pain and harm in us and what we've caused allows us to be more connected in God. This is a way how we can get God in us as we distance ourselves from evil practices that are anti-God and anti-Jesus. This is how we can come together to to be the one multi-ethnic family of God that Jesus prays for. We must recognize the pain and trauma in us and invite Jesus to come alongside us as we work on ourselves to become more of our true selves. When we do this, we become more of a witness of what Jesus is praying for. Our pastors, right, they're an example of this. A, a, white, theme, a white male from Bozeman, Montana, and, and, and a black woman from Chicago coming together, despite their many differences, to lead this oneness of church that Jesus prays for. What will be the story of Kaleo? How have we and how will we continue to engage in compassionate service in the community? How will we be a part of speaking truth to power in our community? We may not be able to change everything that's happening right in the world, but how will we be a part of the reimagining of our world as a resurrected and as an Easter people displaying God's good kingdom? How can we do that here locally? I believe it begins with my encouragement for us today. For us to become that community of believers that Jesus prays for, we must strive to do the inner work as a community by addressing the pain and harm done to us and the pain and harm that we may cause in order for us to heal so that we may come together as one. I'm speaking right just to the community of Kaleo as I say this. We must continue to get God in us and ask Jesus to help make us one to have a type of closeness that where we truly see the climax of our gatherings, not as the sermon, as someone preaching, but as being able to eat together at a table, to sit across someone from a table, that that be the climax of our gathering together. Anyone in this moment, I want you guys to turn to the person next to you, whoever may be around you. Look them in the eye. And see, it's the spirit in this space that allows us to say, I am here and I see you. We are present in this moment, moment together and we can move forward. You guys can return forward. <laughs> and who are those maybe outside of this community too that you desire to be one with? 
How can you address the pain and harm done and potentially move forward a little bit more together? This is not to say that there are ideologies and people who embody those unjust practices we mentioned and discussed today that hurt and harm. We need to distance ourselves from them, from those evil practices. Healthy boundaries is a way of loving yourself and prioritizing your healing. The pain and trauma someone experiences does not give them the permission to disrespect and abuse you. I'm going to say that again. The pain and trauma that someone experiences does not give them the permission to disrespect and abuse you. I hope we understand that after, after today and in our discussion that history and this generational stuff has an impact on the here and now. And each gospel writer tries showing that as well, that they understand the points of history and they show that as well in, the, in their own way. They use history to show how Jesus is worth believing in as being the good news that the world was waited for. So how far back in history does each one go? Mark, in his gospel, he goes back to the prophet Isaiah. That's how far back he goes. He goes to Isaiah showing that Jesus is the fulfillment of a new exodus and a new creation. Matthew goes back to Abraham in the Bible, showing how Jesus is carrying on his back the promise to bless Israel and to bless all the nations. Luke goes back to Adam, showing that Jesus has significance and is hope for all humankind. And then our author today, and what we read, John, shows that since the beginning of time, Jesus was there with God and was loved by God, meaning we were loved by God from the beginning of time to now. John reveals that there has been this, this through line throughout history of love, throughout all of history, and the story of the world and Jesus fighting to be with us. Meaning through the harm that so-called believers have done in the past, Jesus still wants to be with the world and with his church. He has been with those who suffer as well. Jesus' prayer here is that we would center love. That we would affirm ourselves of being valued and loved. He wants us believers today to know that we have been loved since the beginning and that we would hold on tightly to that and onto him. If we would a boat that's going through troubled waters, that we would hold tightly. To Jesus. Seeing God as gentle and comforting can be healing. We are loved, my brothers and sisters. We're humans made in God's image, and we must heal from the hurt we've experienced so we no longer continue harming others and be more human together. We must reclaim what we can be, what can be called in our society as feminine traits that Jesus asked us to be in scripture. To be like an outlet ready to receive, we learn to be receptive and practice emotionally healthy faith. We can lean in to the feminine. So may we do that now as we receive the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and love in us by acknowledging our emotions. And so I'll do one last practice with us together. And I'll ask our worship to come up as we do this last practice together.
I'll read this passage of Jesus praying for us one last time and give you time to notice what emotions come up and how your body responds to the reading. We're quick to read scripture and rush to the meaning. However, I want us to slow down and reflect on how our bodies react to the reading. So again, last time, if you could close your eyes. Get comfortable. Take a deep breath in. Out. You're breathing in God's love. He wants you to receive as you listen to Jesus' prayer. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these whom you have given to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. O righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do, and these disciples know you sent me. I have revealed you to them, and I will continue to do so then your love for me will be in them and I will be in them. Notice your emotions, how your body responds. You are human. Allow me to pray. Jesus, I ask that you would heal us I need you to be with us. God, I pray throughout this collective trauma, God, that you would allow us to depend on one another, allow us to lean and depend on you, God. God, may we better understand trauma and our healing, not just to, to be more informed or be experts, God, but to be more human, to be like you, Jesus, to be more like you so that the world too may know love. For more resources or information about Kaleo, please visit our website at kaleophx.com or follow us on social media. If this episode has been helpful to you, let us know or share it with someone you know.